Hello, this is Mark Richter with another episode of Linux for the Layman. Want to feel safe, secure, and capable when using your computer? This is for you if you want to succeed and know you can handle your computer tasks with ease. This is episode 21 of Linux for the Layman, The Joy of Computing. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a few things. I want to cover a few more special characters in the shell and then talk a little bit about file naming conventions and file organization. Special characters in the shell. We've covered the two wildcards, question mark and then asterisk. We've covered the dot, which refers to the current directory. And we've covered the dollar sign briefly. Dollar sign is the shell special prefix character for variable access. There is a whole complexity of information about variable access that we're not really going to go into. That's not so much for layman's purposes because the complexities of the shell variables are much more relevant if you want to program in the shell. And I'm not going to talk about that now at all. I may go into that much later on after we've covered the basics a little more thoroughly. Fundamentally, if you want the shell to remember a value, you'll store it in a variable. A variable is basically a name that contains some information. For example, we've talked about the path variable. Dollar capital P, capital A, capital T, capital H dollar path is the shell's list of directories to look in to find an executable that's specified by a short name. For example, ls. The ls command is not ls everywhere in the system. It's in slash user slash bin slash ls. Slash user slash bin is typically in almost every single path for every single user on the system, simply because that's where all the system commands are located. So when you type ls, bash is going to look up and say, it's going to look up the list of directories in the path variable, and it'll say, is there an ls file in this element of the path? Yes or no. If it's yes, it'll execute it. If it's not executable, it will say no and go on to the next one. And it will look through until it finds an executable file ls in the directory that that element of the path specifies. As I said, usually that's in slash user slash bin. Variables are used to store pretty much any kind of information. The requirement on a variable is that the name must either begin with a letter or an underscore. Typically underscores are used for special variables that we're not going to talk about at all. So you want to start your variable names with a letter. It can have any number of letters, numbers, and underscores in them. No other characters are valid for the names of a variable. Furthermore, unlike Windows, where the variables and pretty much almost everything is case insensitive, except when you're talking about the data inside a file, in Linux, and in the bash shell, 
almost everything is case sensitive. So the variable named path, capital P, capital A, capital T, capital H, is not the same as the variable named path, P-A-T-H, all lowercase. Or path, capital P, little a, little t, little h. Those are all separate variables. This is somewhat important because most of the variables used by the system will be in all capital letters. Some have numbers in them, but most of them are all capital letters. This is convenient because it's somewhat harder for you to type them by mistake, so chances are you won't have a collision by trying to use one by accident. There are a number of other special characters that we talked about. One of the most important ones, of course, is the backslash. In Linux, specifically in the shell, the backslash is what's known as an escape character. It means treat the next character as a normal character, not as a special character. If you say echo dollar capital P-A-T-H, enter, the shell will print what's in the path variable. If you say echo backslash dollar P-A-T-H, all caps, enter, it will print dollar P-A-T-H because the backslash says don't treat the dollar sign as special. If you want to print a backslash, guess what? You do two of them in a row. That can become important when you get into shell scripting because when you're passing a backslash from one shell script to another, you want to make sure that you use a double backslash where you want the backslash itself to be passed in. And if you're potentially going through multiple layers of shell scripts, you may have to put an awful lot of backslashes in. And you have to count to make sure you have exactly the right number so there's an even number that get reduced and then they get reduced to the next level and reduced to the next level and so forth. Now that's a bit esoteric and as a layman, chances are you won't do something like that. It just might appear in a shell script that you're looking at and if you're puzzled by it, that's why. Let's go on to file naming conventions. I'm going to cover this briefly here and I'll go into it in more detail in the second half. We have already discussed that in Linux, file paths consist of letters, numbers, and some characters that you can get into, some special characters that aren't treated specially when they're part of a file name. Things like that can include the hyphen or the minus sign, the plus sign, underscore, and there are probably some others I'm not thinking of at the moment, but that's a good assortment right there. One of the special characters that I can't strongly enough recommend you avoid using in a file name is the space. When you're using an application and you want to save a file, most applications will let you save a file that has spaces in the name. However, when the shell tries to make use of those, or more importantly, when you're trying to make use of the file name in the shell, that space will mess up what the shell thinks it sees because to the shell, the space is a separator between identifiers or words on the command line. My recommendation is to avoid using spaces in file names permanently. Never use the space. I would also avoid using quote marks, specifically apostrophes, 
because they are also special characters that mean something to the shell, and they can also mess up your command line if they come in out of nowhere without the right escape characters in front of them. And if you do an ls on a directory that has files in it with names that include a single quote, they will be presented with double quotes around them to indicate there's something different about these file names. Sometimes they are also presented with a backslash in front of them. And we can talk about that probably in another time. Let's take a break now, and I'll come back with more about file naming conventions and file organization. File naming conventions. There's a couple of terms we need to define here. Path is what we use in Linux to refer to a file that gives the shell, the file system, the operating system, a basically a map to the file. It is the path from the root file system, which is known as slash, through whatever directories are involved all the way down to the file itself. The directory separator character is the slash. So slash user slash bin slash ls is the path to the ls command. If you specify a path starting from the slash all the way down to the file name, that's called a fully qualified path name. If you start a path name with a character other than the slash, that tells the shell it has to go and find it based on some other information. If you're trying to execute a command, the shell will go through the path looking for a directory that contains the path you gave it as the name of the executable. So if you said bin slash ls, that probably wouldn't work unless you have slash user in your path, and most people don't. Slash user is a collection of other directories of which bin is just one of them. You can look at it on any system. Slash user is one of the most populated top-level path elements. When you're constructing a file name, there are a number of ways to use pretty clear file names without having spaces in them that are relatively easy to read. My personal preference is to use what's known as camel case. Camel case is a mixture of uppercase and lowercase letters that mean something when a human being is reading them. The computer doesn't care. They're just characters. But a human being reading them might make more sense of this is my favorite story rather than XYZ. This is my favorite story if you put it all in lowercase is a little tricky to read. But if you capitalize T, I, M, F, and S in that name, you get the words this is my favorite story without having to separate them with spaces or underscores or any other character that isn't a letter. You can use letters, upper and lowercase, numbers, the minus sign, the plus sign, the underscore, and I would suggest not using any other characters in a file name because you don't really need them. Now, if you want to put in a possessive 
like this is Bill's favorite story. If you were to write that in English, Bill's would be B-I-L-L apostrophe S. You don't want to put that in a file name. Why? Because if you do that, if you type in this is Bill's favorite, enter, well, first of all, that's not a command. So you want to do something with it like VI. Say, that happens to be my favorite text editor. VI space, this is Bill's favorite. When you hit the enter key, it will come back with the shell command continuation prompt, which is usually a greater than symbol. It means it wants more input because you didn't finish the string that started with the first quote. Quote marks are special to the shell. I think I've talked about this before, but I'll br review briefly. The double quote pair sets off a string inside some other data or even just by itself that the shell will treat as a single entity, but if there are any special characters in there, like, say, a dollar sign, it will reinterpret what follows the dollar sign as the name of a variable, and it will substitute in the variable name in the string it uses when it starts to execute the command you specified. If you use a single quote, it will not reinterpret the special characters. So if you say, echo quote, my dollar path file name, single quote, it will try to find a file name, file dollar path my file name. If you use double quotes, it will take the dollar path and turn that into your path string. Briefly, in terms of file organization, I've had a fair amount of experience with this recently because I've been saving a bunch of files from the web. And what I find is that if I just save them in my downloads folder, which I do because I don't want to have to change where they're going to get saved every time I save a file. I want everything I download in my downloads folder, but I don't want to keep them there. I want to move them someplace more intelligent later on. So let's say I download a collection of YouTube videos that belong to a particular artist, and I want to put them someplace intelligent. I'll put them in my dollar music folder, dollar music slash artist name slash the video. And I'll name the video not what you get from YouTube when you download them because they have a bunch of very strange identifiers in there. I'll just give it the names of the songs that I downloaded. That's it. Organize your files using categories so that each directory tells you something about what files are in it. And you can have as many subcategories as you like because in Linux you can have, I think right now the maximum is 4,096 characters in a file name. That's a whole lot of characters for a file name. And you can get very deep and very esoteric, but it does let you organize your files in a logical manner. And it makes it somewhat easier to move them if you decide you want to move, let's say you want to move all the Van Halen YouTube videos that you have to a rock music directory somewhere. You can just take the whole Van Halen directory and put it in rock music. You use the move command for that or the rsync command, whichever command suits your fancy. I hope this has been helpful. I have gotten a request to talk about which distributions of Linux are best for security research. Off the top of my head, Kali Linux is the one that comes to my head, K-A-L-I. But I haven't done a lot of research into it, and I don't do that sort of thing myself. 
So I will look into it and see if I can provide a better answer than just try using Kali Linux. I would suggest trying Kali Linux, but there are a number of distributions that are good for security type research that aren't specifically tailored for it, as I understand Kali Linux is. I hope you learned something today. I hope you enjoyed this. If you didn't, please let me know. I can take it. If you did enjoy it, please let me know and tell your friends and let them enjoy it. This is Mark Richter signing off from Linux for the Layman. Thank you for being here. Bye for now.